So here's my assignment. I want everyone to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine a place where you can go and relax. Okay, that was it. You can open. <laughs> but I, I want to ask you the question, where did that imagination come from? Where does imagination come from? Because when I was a kid, I remember running around, and I was always told, Michael, use your imagination. But where does that come from? And, and, and I, I came to the conclusion about this definition. I said, our imaginations, our imagination are the thoughts of our souls. Think about it. Our imaginations are the thoughts of our inner man, of our soul. And I want you to keep that definition in mind as we continue to go through the book of Exodus. Today, we are pausing in Exodus, Exodus 32. And we see the Israelites in a time of stress. So we got to remember where we came from. 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And then God comes with a mighty hand with the ten plagues. He leads them out of Egypt. He's, he parts the Red Sea. And they go on dry land. And the Egyptians are swallowed up by the river. Then God says, you know what, I want to meet you face to face. I'm going to lead you to Mount Sinai where you can meet face to face. And when they got there, the Israelites were a bit afraid. They said, you know what, Moses, you go up in the mountain because we're too afraid and we will listen to what you have to say. So Moses did this. He says, fine. He goes, at this time, Exodus 32, he's been up the mountain five times, up and down, up and down mediating between God and man. He verbally gives them the Ten Commandments. He tells them all these things. And now we, we're in Exodus 32, and he's up the mountain again. But this time, he's taking a, a bit longer than he did before. He's been up there for 40 days, and the Israelites below are starting to panic. But before we get to verse 1, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all you have done my prayer is that I am just a vessel. I pray that your word is held high and that your word changes the way we live today. It changes and has an impact on our life. I pray for your, pray for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's go down to verse 1. Here's what it says, Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was a long time in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Right? Because it seems as though Moses has been going up and down, and it seems like maybe he's been going a week, maybe two weeks. But this time, he's been going for 40 days, a month and 10 days. And we have to remember, when they looked up the mountain, it looked like it was engulfed in fire. That's why they were afraid to go up themselves. So they said, you know what? He's dead. He's not coming back, and we have to do something. Um, and like most of us, when we, start to doubt, when we start to doubt God's revelation, we start to worship the God of our imagination. Because there are two sources of how we get information from God. One is revelation, God revealing himself to us, his plans, what he loves, what he hates. And the other is imagination. It's our thoughts, thoughts of our souls. 
what our plans, what we love, what we hate. And here's what they said. They said, come, make us gods who will go before us. In their mind, this made sense, right? God has did a great thing. God has just delivered them from the most powerful nation in the world. And they say, yeah, we want that God. We want the God on our terms. Make us a God who will go before us as we enter the promised land. Because back in Egypt, their gods were visible. We had, we had the God of the Nile River. We had a, listen to this, a frog-headed goddess of fertility, water, and renewal. We had Ra, who was the sun god. And even the pharaoh at the time believed that he was a god. He said, I'm the son of Ra, and worship me as God. When we start to doubt God's revelation, we will worship the God of our imagination. Let's continue on. Verse 2, Aaron answered them, and this is Moses' brother. He's in charge, right? Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So the people took, them, took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He, he took what they handed him and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose up early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterwards, they sat down to eat, drink, and they got up and indulged in reverie. Some of your versions might say sexual immorality. And we have to remember what they first said when they first got to Mount Sinai. Exodus chapter 20, verse 19. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't let us speak to God directly and we will die. And what did Moses say to them? No other gods, no idols. First two commands. No other gods, no idols. And I always thought that these commands were the same thing, just put a different way. But after looking into it, they're actually not the same thing. Because the first commandment tells us about who we worship. And the second command is how we worship. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Who we worship? God alone. Right? Cut and dry. Verse 4, you should not make yourself and yourself carved image or any likeness or anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or that is under the earth. You should not bow down and make yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything in heaven above. Um, you shall not bow down to or serve them. For I am the Lord your God and I am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers to the children to the first and, and for the third and fourth generation to those who hate me but showing love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. We have to understand, church, they're not switching gods here. Right? Let's go back to verse 5. It says, when, the, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf. Tomorrow there will be a festival before the Lord. 
And anytime in our Bibles, when we see the Lord like that, L-O-R-D, all caps, God is using his personal name, Yahweh. Right? They're, 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 right now, they're breaking the second command. They're worshiping God the way they want to worship God. And we found ourselves in a very similar situation in our culture today, right, church? The world says that God is love, 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 love. The world said, God wants me to be happy. The world said, God, you worship us. And we have a choice. We can bow down. We can take scripture out of context. We can make our worship gatherings all about how we like to worship and all about what makes us feel good. Or we can stand up to the culture. We can stand up to the lies that they are feeding our children. And we can worship God how he wants to be worshiped, come what may. John 15 tells us this. Jesus told us this before he left. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I have chosen you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would have listened to you. Be wary of anyone who's seeking validation of this world. Be wary. Let's continue on. So uh, in, in verse chapter 7, uh, verse 7, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because the people you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have quickly turned away from what I commanded them, and they have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf, breaking commandment number two. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your God, Israel, who have brought you up out of Egypt. So, and at, the, at this time, Moses was receiving the physical Ten Commandments, the stone tablets. So he brings down the stone tablets, he goes down the mountain, and what he sees is wicked. And the first thing he does at the foot in the mountain, he throws down the tablets and he breaks the Ten Commandments, written by the finger of God, representing the broken covenant that they have with God. And then he takes the golden calf, he throws it into the fire, he grinds it up, he puts it in water, and he says, Here, Israelites, drink this. Representing how God sees their sin. Bitter as they drank it. It made them sick to their stomach. But then he goes to his brother Aaron, who is supposed to be in charge, and he says this, verse 21. What did these people do to you that you led them in such great sin? Don't be angry with me, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how these people are prone, um, you know how prone these people are to evil? They said to me, make us gods who will go before us and ask for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. We don't know what happened to him. So I told him, oh, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. 
Then they gave it to, then they gave me the gold and threw it into the fire. And, and bro, you should have been there. You should have, when I threw the gold into the fire, out came a calf. <laughs> and I, after, every time I read this, I think, was that the best excuse he could have came up with? But I'm guessing he was just as surprised as everyone else that Moses came back down. He probably thought he died too. And and I looked up a couple of excuses people give cops when they're pulled over for speeding. Here are a couple. I have a cold, and when I cough, my foot smashes the pedal. (laughs) Out of my control. (laughs) And it accelerates. My car has a recall on it for unexplained acceleration, and I'm on my way to get it fixed. So don't worry about it. I don't need a ticket. Just give me a warning. It snowed about six inches, and this lady, she was driving the 54 and the 30. Cop pulled over and said, um, why were you speeding? He said, you know you're speeding, right? And she said, duh, I know I was going fast. I was trying to get the snow off my windshield so that I could see where I'm going. Last one. This guy was going 71 and a 50. Cop pulled him over. He said he wanted to get to McDonald's before the breakfast menu ended. <laughs> that was actually a pretty valid one, actually. <laughs> but, but here's the point. When we sin, we will come up with any justification, any excuse to justify our sin. But when revelation meets our imagination, we have a choice. And unfortunately, most people, they decide to worship the God of their imagination than the God who's revealed himself in Scripture. Oh, my God? He wants some people to hell. The God I worship, he accepts all people how they are, and they don't have to change. He accepts everyone. Everyone's coming. Everyone's coming to heaven. That's what my God does. My God, he wants me to live my best life now. So I got to get mine. When revelation meets our imagination, God's desire is confession. Confession means to agree with God on his opinion of a matter. God's desire is to say, you know what, God, you are right about this. Help me. Help me learn your will and your way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's his desire when his revelation meets our imagination. Because, let's be real. Can I be real for a second with you guys? I have situations, I have thoughts that go on throughout the day, and they don't always match up with what God thinks. You know, sometimes... I work really hard, and I deserve this. I know the Bible says I shouldn't be doing this, but I deserve it. I I deserve it. I've been working hard, working hard for the Lord. That person was rude to me, so I'm going to be rude back. Forget that turn the other cheek thing. No, I'm not doing that. It's 2021. My happiness is the most important thing to me. So whoever gets in my way of my happiness, get pushed to the side. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. And sometimes it starts in our minds. 
Sometimes it stays there. Sometimes it doesn't. Either way, God's desire is confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's the gospel. And I remember a time when God's revelation met my imagination. I was in college, and I was really desiring to live for God. And I said, God, help me. Help me live a life that honors you and serves you. So I even bought one of those, those wristbands that said WWJD, what would Jesus do? I bought one of those. I was wearing it around my friends, and I was like, yeah, this is what would Jesus do, wristband. And that night, me and my friends, we went to the movies in downtown Orlando, and when we got out the car, there was a street evangelist. He was preaching, preaching the word of God. So I went up to him, and I showed him my wristband. I said, hey, look, we're on the same team. Good job. Right? And I said, hey, man, keep up the good work. He said, like, hey, you have a second to talk? I said, no, I don't really have a second to talk. I've got to catch this movie, but I appreciate what you're doing. So then we go into the movie theater, and for some reason, the movie was delayed, or we got there early. I'm not really sure what happened. We had about an hour wait. And we live 30 minutes away. So it was like, did we drive just to drive back? We decided to stay. So I go back outside, and the street evangelist comes up to me, and he says, hey, I thought you were catching a movie. And I said, you know what? It's delayed. And then he said, oh, oh, now do you have a second to talk? And when he said that, I was like, you know what? I feel bad for this guy. He's out here preaching the word. People probably spitting on him. He's not getting no love. And I pitied him. So I was like, you know what? Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And we were talking, we were talking for about 40 minutes. I was telling him about my upbringing, how I would go to church, and I'm not perfect, and, you know, just everything that comes with being a Christian. And I was just about done with the conversation, and he led me to the Scripture. He, made, he led me to the Great Commission. Because he said, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Why do you keep asking me I'm a Christian? I'm a Christian. He led me to the Great Commission. He says, all the authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, Michael, are you doing this? I said, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not. God's all right with that, because I felt like he was judging me. So God's, God's fine with that, right? God knows I'm trying. He knows I'm trying to do my, he, he knows what I'm trying to do. He knows my heart. And he looked me dead in the face. He said, Michael, you're a fake Christian. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm done. You know, I already checked out, and I kind of weaved my way out of that conversation. But after that conversation, I was like, man, am I a fake Christian? The movie, I don't even remember what the movie was. All I can think about is, am I living a lie? Am I worshiping the God of my imagination instead of the God of revelation? And when I got home that night, I felt really bad. And I would ask, ask God, am I, am I a fake Christian? He said, Michael, you can't be a part-time Christian. You can't give me this area of life, this area of life, and this area of life, but you, you keep these areas to yourself. That's not what it means to be a Christian. Because I said, God, you can't have my relationships. I, I got that part. You can have all the other stuff. Relationships are mine. My career, that's mine. I want to be this big-time shot movie editor in New York City. 
that's mine. I, I don't need your help for that one. And God said, you cannot put me in a box. And the Lord led me to confession. He led me to confession. But church, that's not always the case. Sometimes when we get confronted with revelation, we don't always go to confession. So I ask myself the question, what would happen if a person's imagination takes the place of God's revelation? What if they live their whole life worshiping the God of their own mind? Let's continue on the story. Exodus, verse 25. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughing stock to their enemies. Right after Moses came down, some people said, you know what? I like the way we were worshiping before. I like that we had a physical God. I like that I can have sex with anyone I want. I like these things. I'm going to continue to do them. Verse 26. So he stood at the entrance in the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Every man strap a sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. Very hard thing. And the Levites did what Moses had commanded them. And that day about 3,000 people died. If imagination takes the place of revelation, there will be separation. One of the scariest verses in the Bible is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. And it says this, Not everyone who calls to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father will enter. On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name before many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. This verse is not to unbelievers. He's talking to people who go to church every Sunday. He's talking to people who read their Bibles. He's talking to people that when they get the little uh, the check mark and say, what's your religion? They check off Christian. And the issue is, when these people are confronted with the Word of God, they twist it, they bend it, they mold it to believe whatever their God in their mind wants them to believe. And to those people, God will say, I never knew you. Get away from me. You who breaks God's laws. So I want to ask you, what God are you worshiping today? What God are you worshiping today? Are you worshiping the God that you have constructed in your mind that agrees with how you want the world to be? Or are you worshiping the God who is true and living? The God who has revealed himself to us through his word. The God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
the God that challenges your imagination. He challenges your heart when it veers off the path that he has set for you. This is not a one-time question. These are one of those questions you ask yourself on a daily basis. What God am I worshiping today? And if you don't worship God at all, today is the day for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If you're wondering if God's calling you to himself, he is. I remember when I first kneeled down and asked God to come into my heart. Truly, grew up as a Christian, but I didn't live it out. And I didn't need to sign a, a card. I didn't need to come down the aisle. I didn't need to repeat after a pastor. I needed to cry out and say, God, save me. I need you. And that's available for anyone who's sitting in this room right now. Today is the day of salvation. Saints, you have to remember, we are lost. We're not lost, but we are found. We are not enslaved, but we are set free. Let us stand as we declare who we will worship.